Hello. Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of February 17, 2013. This is episode 182. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, or the healthcare marketing firm that puts on this podcast. With me today in studio are Robert Prevo, senior account director at Interval, and uh, Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. How are you guys doing? Doing well. I am doing well as well. You're doing well, well. as well? <laughs> we're all, we can go ahead and say this. We're all ready for spring to come. I think that's a fair statement. That, yeah. is, that is accurate. Yeah. It's just a sloppy mess out there today. The, February is the worst time of year around here mm-hmm. just because, you know, the holidays are fine. It's beautiful. January, you know, you're just kind of getting into it. And now you've been in it for a couple months and it's just like, all right. This could stop anytime now. Yeah, and we got a little snow, so start the day with some shoveling, you know. Yeah, and I went out and started shoveling. Well, today was my today was my morning of getting the our two boys ready to, by myself because Glenna had to go into my wife had to go into work uh, early, and then I realized that I also had to clear the driveway. So I've got a three month old and a three year old sitting inside, and <laughs> it was uh, I don't know. I had to leave the door cracked a little bit so I could hear if they started screaming or something while I'm out there frantically trying to shovel out half the driveway. Yep. It was uh, lots of fun. You know what this sign means, you guys? Uh, it means keep talking while I try to find something. Oh, I, th- I thought it was like, shut, I thought up, it was shut up. I thought it was wrap it up. I've got things to Did say. Did you think I was t- dancing? I'm tired no, of your shoveling stories. Wrap it up as this or this. <laughs> okay. What else can you talk or, about or for five seconds while I find a, a piece of information? Uh... Come on, you can do it. Yeah, so I, so I feel like the douchebag neighbor neighborhood resident who like only shovel who like has the ghetto driveway shovel job where half of it's shoveled. So I get the one car out. You have one little walkway to the, the and then I've got well, and, then, and then I shoveled the, the sidewalk going up to the front door from the street, but not the sidewalk like along the that runs parallel to the house that people would walk on. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get some notes. In your mailbox <laughs> when you get home. Well, I figured I'd do the rest this afternoon, and I'm usually the guy who's out there bright and early in the morning with a snowblower clearing off everything and going well beyond the bounds of our. Uh, property. Now I'm getting the wrap it up sign. <laughs> okay, Wait, we're not sorry. done. Sorry, this would be much more funny if it was on video. <laughs> Alright, sorry. I was trying to find a little piece of information. Did I cut off your story? I wasn't even listening. No, I was pretty much done. Okay. Good. I was really just blabbing so you could... Uh... Thank you. Well, I, I was just blabbing. It. I, was, I was making the sign that was like, no, is this draw things out? Now you're conducting an orchestra. Okay. Before I was doing the Dante <laughs> Culpepper touchdown roll. dance. Yeah. yeah, the roll. Alright, so... Wait, who does the predator pose? What is the predator prose? It's like, get to the oh, chopper. Uh, Clay, Clay Matthews. Oh, does he really? He's got like a long blonde hair, kind of long hair. I didn't know that was. Yeah. So if you watch predator, predator one, pose. when he jumps down out of a tree at some point. What's like, got Billy so spooked? <laughs> <laughs> out there. I got past those trees. All right. So, so before we get into our, our main topics, I ha- we have to pimp something, which is what I was trying to find. And I didn't have it in front of me. Uh, doing a webinar on March 6th, which we haven't talked about, uh, called New Healthcare Ventures and Branding, Finding the Right Path. So I'm doing this uh, along with Melissa Tizon, who uh, we've worked with for, uh, boy, about six months now. She's the Senior Regional Communications and Marketing Director at Providence Health and Services. Uh, and this webinar is basically about uh, focusing on all the new ventures that are out there, where you have multiple healthcare brands coming together. Uh, to try to deliver care in a different 
or better way. So classic example of this is an ACO, uh, but you have affiliations, you have joint ventures, you have marketing partnerships, you have all of these different types of ventures, uh, and they really introduce some uh, challenging brand choices. Uh, and so this is really about how to consider what your options are as far as, for example, with an ACO, do you brand an ACO? Do you create a, an identity for it that's promoted publicly? And, and what are the pros and cons of that? Uh, so that's what we worked on with Providence because Providence affiliated with Swedish Health Services uh, up in Washington and uh, just kind of going through what their choices were for that affiliation. A lot of that applies to these other ventures. So that's what we're going to cover. Uh, just a side note, too. They pass along to me. This is from, by the way, this is put on by the Forum for Healthcare Strategists. We'll provide a link so you can um, you can sign up if you like. It's March 6th at 11.30 a.m. Central Time webinar. But they pass along when people have questions, when they start promoting this. And somebody posted a comment that was just to the forum kind of back channel that said, this webinar is, I'm just going to go after this. <laughs> this webinar title is misleading, if not outright wrong. You have no choice when it comes to your brand. You are what you are. And you can try to figure out what that is, but you can't change it. And so using the word choice in the, you know, the wrong choice could waste significant resources and energy. That's part of the description or finding the right path is misleading at best, inaccurate, is basically, and so I was really confounded. Is that the right word by that? I think where this person's coming from is from an advertising perspective. Like, if you're trying to promote your brand, you it is what it is. You can't make up a different brand or change it. it what well, it just is just from a straight up branding perspective. I mean, your brand. Well, we, not we, branding. Well, we've talked about this a million times. We, uh, that's what it sounds like to me when you read the comment that it's um, advertising, not branding. Those are two different things. Well, well, right. Well, yes, but what you <laughs> what you're saying is the what the person is saying is that you can't that your brand is out of your control, right? That you have little control over your brand because your brand is what other people make it. But I disagree with that. I agree that your brand is what other people make it. And I agree at any point in time, it is what it is. But to say that you have no control over changing your brand oh, yeah, you can is change. utterly you can, wrong. Right. You can, right. If you, you've been showing up poorly, yes. you could start to not show up poorly anymore. Yes. <laughs> it's going to take time for your brand to, yes. image to change. That's right. Your brand is it's not going to change overnight by you saying, we're great. We used to suck, but now we're great. Right. And it doesn't change through advertising, which right. is, I think, what this person's point was. But you know, I don't know if they even read the, the description, because this is mainly about when you have a new entity that you're introducing, you have all the choice in the world at that point because there is no brand. There is no entity in the market. You can decide how you want to start building your brand. Is it a unique brand? Is the ACO a completely independent brand from your current organization? Is it part of your organization? Is it affiliated with it? I mean, there's just so many different options I don't th- from that standpoint, which is what this is about. Okay. But you don't have complete control. I mean, you can create something, but people at some point are going to know who's in the who is who it is who's in the mix. If it's you have you know, complete places, choice 50, of what 50, you want to try to do, what you want to try to do, yes. Right. right? Yes, 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 right. Other, the other, end, other people might paint a picture immediately. Oh, you you're going to be awesome because these are two great hospitals. Or they might say that hospital sucks. That right. one's awesome. I don't know what this. Or is I don't be. understand this. Or right. which is all part of what you have to figure out. Right. Um. So I don't think that the title was misleading or. 
alive. That is kind of a hot topic on the internet, though. Just the whole concept of link of art of titles being link quote unquote link bait, meaning that it's like you, it's like wow, that's a that's a pretty serious headline so i'm going to click on it and you get to the story and it's like well that's right. not really even what they were talking about i mean right. kind of but then they went way out i don't think this is link bait i don't think so either new healthcare ventures and branding finding the right path i think that sounds really <laughs> innocuous to me <laughs> yeah. if, if it was if it was something like choose the right brand path or die you know what then, then you, so got that you know what but but the word branding is so misused i mean when it's when it's we know what we we know what we believe right. to be branding and to be a brand um, and I think that with our strong opinions about it, when we see other, you know, when you, when, when I might see that term used somewhere, a lot of times I assume it's being that that person's probably using it incorrectly. Um, cause I, I feel like, you know, very few people have a real true grasp on what the term really is or what it yes. means. Um, so it's probably somebody who has a passionate belief about what it means. They assume that we're coming at it from a different angle without knowing us, without really looking into what it's going to be about. Right. And they just kind of spout it off. Right. Yeah. I want to so. give the, the person the benefit of the doubt that they're just interpreting, you know, who decides your brand. And it's, you know, obviously as we, as we would agree, it's the consumer, it's going to shape that. Yes, but again, totally. to your point, it's, that's not what we're talking about. No. And the idea that you can't change your brand. Right. That was part of the message. I'm like, well, hell yeah, you can. You don't do it through advertising, no. Which is the perspective of that long comment. time. Yeah, you do it by showing up differently. Right. All right. So, tune in for the webinar. <laughs> uh, we got two big topics. We may only get through one. We'll see how it goes. The first one is brought to us by an avid uh, listener of the podcast, Adam Lee. So, Adam is uh, the owner of Adam Lee Design which is, gosh, it's going to be, it's in Oregon somewhere. I'm going to go with Portland. Adam, I'm sorry. I didn't do my due diligence. I met Adam when I spoke at a, um, the Healthcare Communicators of Oregon conference this last fall, uh, and he had reached out to us through Twitter before, and so it was great to meet him in person. It's always fun to meet people who follow the podcast. But he posed a question, ah, it's probably been a couple weeks ago, about retargeting. Uh, and whether that was appropriate for hospitals. And so I promised him that we would actually dig into this and then cover it in the podcast. And we had a little bit of back and forth on it, but very surface level, as you can imagine, with 144 characters as our limit. So for those who aren't familiar with this, and I imagine there are a few, uh, though, again, like Adam likes to point out, if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably you're probably in the top 1% of your of your peers when it comes to trends. <laughs> yes, no? All right. Uh, so, so retargeting. Retargeting is essentially when you are advertising online and you track when somebody using cookies, I'll try not to get too technical here, but using some technology that's available to you, you track people who either come to your website, so in most of your cases, your hospital website, or they go to a, hot, a website that your ad has actually appeared on. So let's say that uh, you're promoting heart care and your ad shows up uh, on your local newspaper website, right? So somebody comes there and let's say they search for or they're, they're looking at a story or wherever your, your ad appears. You can attach a cookie to them or if they come to your own site. And then what happens is you retarget them. So they leave your site or they leave the site where you found them and they go somewhere else. And then 
your ad follows them, essentially. Uh, and basically, the, the idea behind this is this person has shown some sort of interest in the topic related to your advertising, either you specifically or whatever it is that you're promoting or talking about. Mm-hmm. And so you want to stay in front of them so that you know they continue to consider you as an option for whatever it is they were looking at online. Uh, there are obviously a lot of different things to consider with that. From a marketing perspective, it can be extraordinarily effective because now you've identified, basically, you've targeted somebody who's shown interest, and so you're just trying to retarget them appropriately uh, with advertising, which is what advertising should do. Is you should try to match your ad with the person who's most likely to need your service, and this allows that. But uh, the downside of this uh, and why Adam brought it up, Adam Lee, was that you know it can become stalkerish, and we've probably all had this experience where you're online. You let's say a great example of this is if you go, you want to go on vacation, and you check out a hotel somewhere, uh, and then you leave and you go do, you go have lunch and you come back and now you're just doing something else, and all of a sudden that hotel's ads are popping up on completely irrelevant. You know you're going to ESPN and there's the hotel ad, right? Uh, and and some people will find that off-putting, especially if it's out of control and the ad is constantly following you around. So that's the concern. So I'm going to give Robert and, and our Adam a chance to dig in here. But we to start this off, we've got all kinds of resources we're going to post for you. Um, and I want to talk about our perspective on it, but we asked a couple people that we really trust in the industry with this. The first is someone we've worked with for a long time. We drop his name all the time, Chris Boyer. Uh, he's a associate VP now at North Shore, Long Island. I always get the name wrong. Um, but we consider him a leader in hospital marketing and particularly digital marketing. So he, here was his um, comment on this. And he used to be at Nova Health System, so that's what he's referring. He just moved in January. He says, I originally had concerns about uh, retargeting. It does seem intrusive to retarget people online. But it didn't stop me from doing this in Innova just to see how it worked. People visiting our spine site were then retargeted with a message about back pain and free lectures we were giving on how to deal with it. I made sure that the retargeted message tried to be relevant dealing with back pain, not spine surgery. Honestly, the results were nominal, uh, but I don't remember the specifics. It was a standard practice that we kept doing, but I still think retargeting could be used by hospitals as long as it's done judiciously. We also asked our partners in digital advertising, Eruptor. So whenever we work with clients in this area, uh, we'll help with the strategy, we'll help with the creative, whatever it is. Uh, but then we bring in Eruptor to actually do the day-to-day work of the search engine marketing. And so uh, they, they work with a lot of healthcare clients, uh, and they use retargeting with most, if not all, of them. Uh, and Kevin Minnelli, who's one of the partners, who's just like – Genius is that a fair word to use for Kevin? The guy is like, yeah, he's that's I think that's fair. His, <laughs> his, his <laughs> knowledge runs so deep. Do you have to be a child to be a prodigy? Is that like, can we say he's can we say he's that? Maybe he's, he's an adult. Maybe prodigy. he's too old to be a prodigy. He kind of is. <laughs> uh, he says that they seem to, you know, as far as results of this, how about wizard or ninja? He could be a wizard or guru <laughs> sherpa. Uh, they see roughly the same click through rates from re- retargeting. Uh, as they do for other, you know, banner mm-hmm. advertising. Uh, so it's not necessarily going to get you 
better click-through rate. But the point is you're extending yourself to people who otherwise would have stopped seeing your ads. And so it is going to bring you additional click-throughs by doing this. Um, one more note before I throw it back, throw it out here on the table. You'll often hear uh, retargeting called remarketing, uh, which is really a Google, as far as we know and understand, remarketing is Google's term for it. Bing has a, a term for it called remessaging. Uh, but they all kind of mean the same thing, this concept of uh, having your ad follow people using um, pixel and cookie technology. in uh, combined with search history and right. other whatever, like with a resource like Google that's tapped into this vast network of, of, of search resources, whether it's their YouTube, uh, whether it's YouTube, whether it's uh, their plus stuff, whether it's local site search or just general site search in general. I don't know that they're factoring a lot of that in right now, but um, I, at least a, at least a year ago, some by some of the uh, articles that are floating out there now, they were they were saying that th- that they would be soon. So it's very possible that sure. they are now. I would suspect they would be. That's a pretty valuable pool of information to uh, factor into this stuff. Yeah, and I think I think Chris Boyer brings up a really good point that with any marketing, you need to be you know judicious about it. You know, think about yeah. your audience. Healthcare is obviously a little different beast with you know patient privacy and wanting to be respectful and sensitive to that. And I think you you just need to be smart. And I think going after people with um, information that is a value add, and his example was spine patients, we're targeting them with back pain messages. I think that type of approach makes sense Mm -hmm. because it could be helpful information. And that's how the, you know, former patient might view it versus, wow, I did a search and now I'm just, every ad is for this hospital, which feels a little, you know, potentially big brother-ish. Yeah, and we've we've worked with clients to help them set a reasonable. Uh, our policy, I think, is that we think this is a viable tool, uh, but it has to be used in the right way. And so we've sent limits. Uh, and Kevin Interrupter recommends this, and all the resources we've found recommend some kind of retargeting limit. And they give it an official name. I can't remember what it is, uh, but I can think of like off the top of my head one client we're working with where it's six. So no person would see whatever ad that's following them more than six times. In a given time period. In a given time period. Or whatever. Right. And in one of the articles that I thought was really good that we'll post called Retargeting Tips for Highly Regulated Advertisers, though, I don't think it really gets into the highly regulated part. Um, they use the, they call it the seven by seven rule. Limit the window to seven days or less. Uh, and they, and they say cap the impressions to seven person, seven per person per day, which really is a f- a forty nine times rule, right? Because if you saw it seven times a day for seven days, that doesn't have the same ring to it. That seems a lot. That seems like a lot for That's, hospital marketing. Seems like a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I mean, if you put yourself in the shoe, I mean, it's pretty easy to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who could experience this because we all we all have. have. Um, and I think of, I think of a couple of the instances in which I can just I can remember um, the repetition of ads after after exploring something. One was recently because I was I was digging into Zappos and um, looking at shoes because uh, I've got a bunch of credit there from a bunch of shoes I returned that were my fat feet. Apparently they hate you. They, well, no, they they know no they have my money. They know I'm going to spend it, so they'll probably really oh like they love me. you. Um, but anyway, I was looking at shoes and then later on in Facebook, I happened to notice up in the, uh, in the right hand, on the right hand side that, um, the exact shoes I was looking at from Zappos were showing up over there. This guy's kind of a reminder. Hey, don't forget about me. You were going to buy me. Right. <laughs> um, that I was kind of like, yeah, I, 
I don't know. I didn't feel necessarily offended by that. I was like, oh, hey, yeah, I was going to buy those shoes, wasn't I? Um, and then one time when I was searching for, I was looking at these industrial products. We were remodeling our basement. I was looking at these industrial sinks that I was going to maybe use in our bathroom because um, we went with kind of an industrial feel in the basement. And um, this company that I was looking at that, sold, that sells like commercial grade kitchen stuff to like restaurants. Um, holy hell were they aggressive with their remarketing after I left their site because their banner ads were, would have like a series, not, not one image of something I saw, but like a series of images of everything that I like spent (laughs) a considerable amount of time considering on their website. And that to me felt a little overboard. This is a little creepy because I mean, Zappos showed me like one pair of shoes. I looked at, I was like, yeah, that's okay. This site was like showing me uh, several thumbnails of all of the things I was considering. It was like, ah, that's a little, that's a little much with the, with the tagline. We're watching <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> right now, but you know, the, the, the difference between those sites and other sites that I may have been retargeted from is that those were sites that I really spent a lot of time considering. Um, and you know, obviously those are the people that you want to offend that you want the least to offend down the road. Um, so that's, you, that's, that's where the, you know, being ethical and being smart with your retargeting makes sense. Cause the people who like came to your site for a couple seconds and left, they're probably not even going to notice your remarketing later. It's the people who actually spent a considerable amount of time there. This is on their mind. You're probably on their mind. And by this, I mean, whatever it is they're researching, if it's cancer, in my case, it was shoes and sinks. You know, those things are st- still happen to be on my mind when I left. So that's why those things stood but out. You just made a huge point. Sinks and cancer are completely different. <clears throat> they, they are, they are complete, sensitivities, no, they're completely right? different. Oh, totally, totally. Um, but they both can still be very creepy. And this, then that can be even, even more creepy. Well, my this, my, my yeah. point is it's something, it's something that's on your mind. So it's something you're going to really notice once you leave. Um, whereas if it was like maybe Ford and I was just happened to be looking at cars and I was looking at all sorts of cars and I happened to kind of stumble through the Ford website, didn't see anything I like, but they started showing me, you know, the whatever the Taurus or something. Well, I, I probably wouldn't even really notice that because a cars are on my mind, but Ford wasn't so much the Taurus. I maybe stumbled through it, but I didn't dwell on it. Um, so there's just, there's, there's some people, the people, the point there though, is that the people you want least to offend are the people that you're most likely to offend with um, aggressive retargeting. Well, I think there's the the personal side of that. Obviously, if you're talking shoes versus uh, you know patient care, but I think I think there might be something too with just the the price point. So you know, if you're talking about shoes, you see some shoes pop up, you might I'll oh, check this out. This is kind of interesting. But if you're talking about appliances, or in my case, I had this happen where I was looking at a at an HVAC company for potential furnaces, mm-hmm. and it you know it. I started to see their ads pop up and it, you know, wasn't offensive to me, but I think you start to feel more pressured right. if you're talking about something that's, you know, a $3,000 purchase versus, versus a hundred dollar right. purchase. And then you take that to the next level and you're talking about care, you know, it doesn't get much more personal than that if yeah. you're looking at hospital services. And I think that is, you know, it's a little, it's a different mindset. That yeah. People have. Yeah. Well, and, and th- I think it's such a, we, you know, we can't just gloss over that difference. I mean, no, the the, the idea of are. cancer or heart care or you know bariatrics or things like that where you can you know super sensitive to people yeah um, there's there should be nothing related to HIPAA in this uh, there's there's you're not breaking any law you're not breaking any healthcare privacy law by doing this but that's the reality the perception can be 
well, I'm, I'm somebody who's searching for my mom and looking for cancer care, and then it follows me, people will probably get more, they're more likely to get tweaked sooner for that kind of retargeting than they would for a sink or shoes or mm-hmm. other things that are less personal that are, you know, because people just consider their medical care very personal. I wouldn't be surprised to see a HIPAA dip their toes into this playing field at some point in time because i mean there is a you know we are we already see you can't you can't there, there you have the the stanchions up now when you're at the clinic right you can't go past this line because somebody's already already at the desk and you don't want they don't want you to glance over their shoulder and see their information or hear what they're talking about with the person at the desk um there's there's this whole this really this kind of policy of distance now and when you're talking about the web and maybe in especially in workplaces where it's very easy to look over someone's shoulder, uh, using like the bariatrics example, if there's you know a woman or man who you know weighs like a you know 250 300 pounds, obviously has is morbidly obese, probably sensitive to it, maybe looking into that stuff. Now pretty soon, always on their always on their desktop on their computer every time that they you know leave their computer, every ad is like bariatrics from some hospital. That's a little you know, and passers by are going to see that. There's certainly it, there's some crossover there between the whole distancing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's not so much of a stretch that I wouldn't see. I'm sure there's already exploration from HIPAA into whether or not they should be dipping their toes. It, it wouldn't that, be but, HIPAA, but it would be something. Well, I, I, mean, mean, I mean, guidelines, right. policies along the lines of what we see right. from HIPAA. Because HIPAA is about actual patient data, which is why this is completely separate. This, there's no patient data. You're not using anything. In fact, retargeting is anonymous. You do, the, nobody knows who's the cookie is following. Well, that's that's what I'm saying, though. In this case, the, some of that anonymity is removed because if you know, you know Joe who sits next to you in the cubicle or sits in your yeah, cubicle yeah, yeah. space the whole day, and and all of a sudden, all of the time, his his the websites that you see over his shoulder are filled with bariatric it's, ads. It's, so it's similar in a way to some direct mail right considerations where you have to be careful about sending, you know. Uh, a postcard on, hey, following your heart surgery, you should take advantage of, you know, our new heart care support group or whatever, and putting that, you know, six by nine postcard in the mail, and spouse opens it and goes, or sees it and goes, whoa, or whatever. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not a heart surgery yeah, spouse or, probably or, know, or, but yeah, that, you can but, think of any health scenario that you'd want to keep private that you have to be careful. Exactly. So and I think that it's happens, the same. That's entirely yeah. applicable here because the same thing could be your wife that is all of a sudden she's like, well, why is my computer filled with right. ads for <laughs> right. erectile dysfunction? The, well, the she only would difference well is <laughs> in one, the hospital is using patient data to generate the marketing. In the other, right. it's not. It doesn't mean the, the, the effect isn't the same. Right? I mean, the impact of what you're saying is, is basically the same as getting a direct mail piece and exposing something that you didn't want to, no pun intended, yeah. expose. But but it's the the core difference, probably from a legal standpoint, not the least, is the that the hospital isn't using private patient data to generate that marketing. So mm-hmm. it may become an industry standard. And there's already a lot of discussion about retargeting in general, not just in healthcare. Uh, you know, there are Right now, it doesn't seem like there's any legislation that's going to move through, but there's kind of like a self-policing where they have, what's it called, um, ad choices. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to, if you're using any kind of behavioral targeting with your, with your online advertising, not just retargeting, but behavioral targeting where you're targeting people based on their internet histories, right. um, you're supposed to have something that says ad choices on your ad mm-hmm. so people can click on it and, and go, hey, 
I, I didn't even know, but I can turn my cookies off, right? People right. don't know. They can actually stop any of this by just cutting their cookies out, which has got other ramifications. But So I think I, I still think done right with the right messaging. It's got to be relevant, just like anything else. Um, just like you have to be careful when you're doing a bariatric campaign that you don't do a mass direct mail piece. Mm-hmm. Or you forget about mass. You don't target it based on some list that you bought of people that – subscribe to Weight Watchers and you send them a bariatric mailing, how would that go over with whatever percentage of those people would be like, wow, right? (laughs) Even though that's not a HIPAA violation either, it's going to set people off the wrong way. So you got to be careful with it. And it's going to set off the people who you want least to offend. They're the ones who are really, you know, potentially going to be, not that you, not, not that there are people that are, that you want to offend, but yeah, there's some people. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot at stake with these people. Yeah. Potential customers. Okay. So anything more on that? Again, we've got lots of articles we'll post. Um, some are better than others. You know, I didn't dig up much. Just, just Googling to get some opinions on the ethics around uh, remarketing, or retargeting and remarketing. Um, the first result that came up in a number of searches, though, is uh, an article from a, a blog called the WordStream blog. And I, I had to chuckle at the article because, like, three – like, I'd say – Five sixth of is five sixth of the article. Let me get really uh, <laughs> nice. deep here. Is um, bashing remarketing, but then the very end is like, "But it works, so do it. We do it, so you should do it too." It was like all, all of it was it's really? creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. Don't do it. But a lot of the points that they brought up, I, I think, are just flat out wrong. However, they're like one was um, remarketing thrives off the general idea that the more present a brand is across different parts of the web, the more trustworthy that brand must be. I don't think that's I think we're. I don't think that we're living in that day and age anymore. Why? Well, simple repetition of a brand implies trust. Do you? I mean, I, 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 I won't. I won't flat out say that it doesn't. It but can, I don't think right. that. I think in our in, in our hyper connected world where we're just used to that repetition now um, from brands that we know suck. Uh, it's just. It's it's there's, really not the case. There's as much certainly. I, I would I would agree that there's certainly research that shows the more familiar you are with something, <clears throat> the more likely you are to trust it. That's absolutely true. That's why people are more likely to use a brand that they're aware of than one they've never heard of. That's exactly what's behind that. And so there is something to that. It's not a. It's not like well then we just need to show our ads everywhere so people will trust us. It's not that simple. But certainly, I think there is a. Uh, correlation there. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. It's just straight up cause and effect. I mean, also, I mean, think of like once once you you buy a certain brand of car, um, you're also much more likely to notice that car on the road. Like when I bought when we had a Scion, that little uh, sure. XB or whatever it was, I didn't feel like I saw them that much. But then as soon as we owned one, hell, every car on the road was a Scion <laughs> XB. Right. Um, so I think there's also that component of you know once you buy into a brand. You, you tend to see it more or when it, when it does, when you do see it, it pops out or stands out of the crowd. So I think it's, I think it's still fair. I think that statement's still fair. I think I it think simplifies it's, the problem. Cause if you, if, if, right. if you think that frequency is all you need, right. Or visibility is all you need, especially in our world, I think you're missing, you're missing a huge, you're missing the big picture by a long shot, right. but there's certainly something to be said for that. So, uh, anything else on that? Were we clear on our, or do we have to be clear on our <laughs> stance? Yes, it's a, it's a good tool. Yes, you should explore it if you're doing search engine marketing. 
but you need to be really cautious with it, like you do any hospital marketing. Right. right. And when and you know one, when you have multiple campaigns running too, to be sensitive to that to make sure you're using it right, and you're not you know if you've got a heart and cancer campaign running at the same time that your yes. remarketing efforts aren't continuing to show heart ads to your cancer patients. You know, there's right if you're doing one campaign, it's a little more straightforward and you're easy, right. less less easy to screw it up. But um, yeah. You know, if you're working with with uh, with someone reputable, um, like our partner Eruptor, then not to keep pimping them, but uh, make sure you're in good hands when you're doing this stuff, so yeah. that um, you're not wasting money. That's good. All right, how are we doing on time, Adam? Uh, we're at about a half hour right now. Oh, are we really? Yep. Well, we should probably end we're there. just over actually. Um, I'm just going to mention this real quick. Let's not dive into it. We'll post it. Uh, there's a report out by Deloitte. Uh, for a survey they do every year about healthcare consumers. And so we'll post a link to an infographic that they created uh, that carves healthcare consumers into six segments. Uh, And I think there's some value in this. Uh, When I looked at it, I looked at the six segments, and I'm like, okay, does this line up with kind of our perspective on – because they're talking about all consumers, not just like people who are shopping for care. And based on on their six segments – Roughly 30% are folks that are open to care choices at any given time. They're shopping for care. Um, They're independent people that are always looking for other alternatives. They're always looking for value. But the rest are either not engaged because they don't need your service uh, or they're already locked in in some way and are very unlikely to change. Mm -hmm. And so that lined up with me. Uh, The only place where I had trouble with it was – they kind of break down different questions by these six. So they call them like casual and cautious is the name of, of one. Uh, these people are not engaged, no current need. They're cost conscious. Um, and then they kind of compare how do people respond to questions based on their segment. So there are a few of them like interest in video conference consultations. All right. So would you be interested in having a, a consultation with your doctor via video? of the casual and cautious said they would. 57% of the online and onboard said they would. Well, this is not shocking because if you're defining one segment by online and onboard, of course they're going to be. Right. But this is, we've been talking about this a lot recently. It's another example of asking people what they would be interested in. You've got to be so careful of that because if you've never done a video conference consultation, You'd be going, well, I don't know why I do that. What's the point of that? I want to see my doctors. I don't have value in that. I don't like videos, whatever. Um, asking people their opinion on things really works when you're asking about what they have experienced. How did we put it earlier? It's, it, focus groups and surveys are good for determining what people did, right. not what they will do. Right. And even then, you got to question using those tools for what they did <laughs> yeah. because people don't remember. They have selective memories. Or they'll they tell you what, know. They, yeah. what you think you want to hear, or what makes them look good or they'll, yeah. Yeah. Or they'll yeah. think they know why they made a decision when they actually, and, you know, right. They really don't know. They don't know, but they don't want to come off as not knowing. Right. <laughs> so whenever you're going out there and you're trying to ask consumers opinion about, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or, or how do you do this? Or how do you do that? You've got to be so careful. Um, and I always go back to Steve Jobs, who never asked consumer dink about any of their products. And I think it's safe to say probably one of the most successful product development companies of all time. Yeah. And never asked a consumer, 
what do you think of a you know I think it's probably a pack of cards that you could put your music yeah. on. <laughs> what? What's that? I don't understand what that is. I don't need that. I got my CDs and my Walkman, right? Yeah. What do you think of? Uh, a mo- you know, what would you want to get around town? Well, my horses, you know, they need to eat every once in a while. It'd be great if you made some, you know, like food stations along the way. You know, <laughs> nobody's thinking about a car; they're thinking about a faster horse. That's like a famous or a lamp statement. versus candles. Yes. So, yeah. uh, we, I shouldn't even got into that because it gets me so <laughs> so riled up. And we can probably say that Apple is the best that has ever yes. been in, with, with that stuff. And, yeah. yeah, I think that's good. So we'll post. We'll post. Um, there's a deeper part of their survey which has some interesting things in it. Uh, maybe we'll get into later, but it's too much to, to dig into now. I'll, I'm going to give you one stat from this just to tease people because I think they need to hear this. So part of the survey was, what do you think is the biggest cost driver for healthcare costs? And there are mm, twelve possible answers or 12 answers given prescription drugs, consumer behavior, payment incentives, government regulation. What do you think the number one one was? This is just asking consumers who don't know what the number, they don't know. So this isn't about the reality of what's driving the costs. It's the perception. Number one, hospital costs. 59% of people said the biggest driver of overall healthcare costs is hospital costs which tells you something about why people go, why are you advertising? What a waste of money, blah, blah. That's anyway. pretty broad, though, hospital costs. Yeah, that could be it's doctor's like I, it's costs. Like, I don't know, here it is. Here's what I think. But when you look at all the other ones in there and you see some obvious ones, you're like, well, they don't, you know, consumers don't know. They don't. They don't know economics. They don't know how the industry no, works. No, it's kind of a stupid, it's, well, to your point, is this kind of a stupid pool of people to ask. I mean, it's consumers. Yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> what, I mean, well, what are they going to, what are they going to tell you? They don't, it's, it's something they don't understand. Right. Totally right. So here's a great example and then we'll sign off. There was a hospital locally who some of us know very intimately <laughs> who wanted to create a new hospital. And so they wanted to engage the consumers in the market about what should our new hospital be like? So they held focus groups and asked them, what do you want on your hospital? And do you think they got anything valuable out of that? <laughs> I was told that they got answers like, how many beds do you, you know, they ask these questions. How many beds should the hospital have? 2,000. Should have 2,000 beds. Because you're asking Joe Public, who doesn't know even what you mean by how many beds. They don't know right. what that means. Right. What specialists should you have? All of them. Every of specialist. Them. <laughs> yes. How much should it cost? Should be free. Okay, we're going to make our hospital pricing. free. That's all we need. All right, anyway. Thus endeth the rant. <laughs> so, ready to sign off? Yep. All right. For Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo, Robert Prevo, and uh, Adam Meyer. See you next time.